This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All the new acquisitions, Dave Dombrowski, the re-sign of JT Riamuto, the additions to the bullpen. Why not? Let's talk to one of our favorites right here with the Phillies, and that's Ben Davis. That's right. TV Ben Davis, right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am Kevin Franzen at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Hit me up with anything that you want to ask. We can have guests on here. That's right. We're going to have a guest on in just a minute. But, I mean, the, the feedback I'm getting from you guys has been great. It's helping me out and asking questions to some of these guys because they're buddies of mine most of the time that I, I, I just I, I have a conversation. Sometimes I get lost in that. I get that. And you guys need to uh, find out more about them. And so that's my goal. Um with this team that we have uh, assembled for the 2021 season going into spring training so far has been a great, great, I think, offseason for the Phillies, starting out with Dave Dombrowski. But to talk more about it, I, I think we should bring on the guy with the greatest hair on the broadcasting crew. And we say that because that is like kind of like what he's known for around our parts. Uh, also, the knowledge, the guy that pretty much it, it includes football players that have played the game don't want to run into at the plate, Ben Davis. What's up, dude? How you doing, Kevin? Uh, Thanks for having me on, buddy. Well, I'm good. Uh, of course. Yeah, but it's just like, the way I look at this is like, you and I share a passion, and it's a game of baseball. Might be different looking at it sometimes, because uh, from an infielder's perspective to a catcher's, uh, but we always have some good combos on this, and I thought breaking down a little bit of, you know, where the Phillies are, um, and obviously with the acquisitions that, that we've had, uh, and especially recently with the JT. I mean, what, what's been your take so far since Dave Dombrowski's taken over, handed over the GM title to Sam Fold, but still making a lot of decisions, obviously. Um, where are you at right now with what the Phillies have done? Well, I'm extremely happy with the move of Dombrowski. Um, you know, I was on a radio show the other day, and they said, what, what do you think of the move? And I said, you know what? The guy builds winners. That's the bottom That's line. A fact. He's he's done it for years. He's done it with multiple ball clubs. He builds winners. Um, and I think that's the, the biggest takeaway from this offseason. I know we signed we signed JT, which is awesome. Best catcher in baseball, not even close. I know we signed Didi back, and that was huge as well. I didn't think Didi was coming back. No. Did you? Nope. Not, not I didn't one think bit. he was coming not back. But the Dabrowski signing, if you if you want to call it that, the signing. <laughs> I, the guy just builds winners and he has a, tr a proven track record. And I think it's going to pay dividends for this ball club in years to come. I really, really do. I think, um, you know, Archie Bradley said, I think kind of went under the radar. Uh, I think that's huge, obviously with everything that went on with the bullpen last year, which was an absolute debacle. Uh, so that is huge adding him down there. 
uh, the Chase Anderson signing I like. So there's been a lot of moves, but I think ultimately, I know it sounds funny, but the, the Dombrowski signing, uh, I think is the biggest acquisition. Well, we, we know about, you know, Dave being, building these winners and not only that, but the, the tearing down sometimes of the farm systems is what he's known for. Uh, it's because you want to win, you know, it's part of the deal. Right. Uh, what he's done so far, he hasn't torn, gone into the farm system really at all in some of the trades that he's made with Alvarado and, and Sam Coonrod. Uh, you're you're looking at a guy that is was given orders and he's delivering right i mean that, that that's part of the deal the pen needed help and when you bring up the archie bradley the one thing that um i love about him is his emotion and something i feel like we've talked about the the, the lack of emotion from some of the pitchers uh in that pen uh do you or you know as a catcher i, I ask you that because of like is it something that like really should be looked at? Cause I look at it like I love playing behind a guy that just gets fired up after a big strikeout. Yeah. And he, you know, that, that is a different dimension that he brings. Um, I'm trying to put this, be very PC about this, his competitive nature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, very nice. Very nice. His competitive nature uh, I think is going to rub off on a lot of guys in this bullpen. Uh, he wants the ball every day. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's, you know, his, it's his fortitude, if you want to call it. like the way he prepares uh, his willingness to go out there and do his job. It doesn't matter who's in the box, righty, lefty, uh, three hole hitter. It doesn't matter. Um, I think that's going to rub off on a lot of guys. And I think a lot of guys could use it. And um, you know, that, that, that is huge with regards to what Dombrowski has done uh, you know, with the trades and things like that um, you know, he hasn't really had to go in, like you said, to the to farm system and, 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 really kind of deplete some of the, the top prospects that we have. There's not a lot, which no, is, not. which is also part of like Brian Barber coming in and having a good draft in what we hear, you know, like the Mick Gable kid and, and being able to keep him because from everyone, especially in the, like that Oregon area that I know, it, and we know the same people, they've all said this kid's special and he's a, he's a high school kid and, and seeing the development before we get back on the roster, it just, <laughs> you know my mind how it goes and just whew, zigzags the the i wonder what the minor leagues uh season is going to look like in the development of these guys because they already lost one year you know i i it just it baffles me to think like where some of these kids could be or couldn't be because they didn't have last year yeah it's it's a brutal situation i mean if you really look at it and this is not telling anybody anything they don't know but each minor league system is each part, whether that be rookie ball, a ball, double a, they have those teams. So two or three guys can develop Yeah, because they're the two or three guys that are going to get to the big league. So they have to have a quote unquote place to play. And that's why you have, you know, if you have 25 guys on the team, maybe two or three guys on that specific team might make the big leagues. So you have to have 23 other guys on the team to help them play, to help them get better. And they didn't have that last year. And the only way you get better, especially, in the game of, uh, of all sports, I, I firmly believe this, of all the sports, baseball is a game you have to play day in and day out to get better. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things. I think you can get better off the field in some other sports. I really do. And until you get back on the field and, but it's it, baseball because you just, it is the ultimate box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get on a given day. And you see something new every day. That's why you have to play it every day. And these guys missed it last year and they missed it. And, you know, it's, it's going to affect their development. It absolutely will. 
on Pine Tar for Breakfast, we have Forrest Gump, if everyone knows that right now. But, uh, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, a guy who he, you know, Dave Dombrowski acquired in, in Jose Alvarado. You watched enough of him to, to, to say how disgusting he is because all I see is a lefty that throws right-handed cutters. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I, I don't know how you make a ball move like that. Okay. Uh, I, I, how I do witnessed you catch that, that in the playoffs last year. How do you catch it? I don't know. Well, at least we know it's coming. <laughs> okay, but see, that, you know? that, that that's the one thing that um, I always am fascinated by because you I've talked about, my like, dude, these guys, because like, it's usually not been our guys throwing the, the hell out of it, but you're going, right. being a catcher, how the hell do you do this? Because a guy like him, it, it, it's not really seen, right? I mean, he's not Johnny Venters because Venters had sink straight down. This one is a two-seam run. That, that just plays on that, that same plane the whole time. Uh, how do you go about catching it? Well, you got to trust your hands. I mean, that's not, not, to, not to give you a short answer, but you got to trust no, your hands. That's a fact. Uh, it's, yeah, you got to trust your hands. I remember uh, when Matt Thornton was coming up with the Mariners, and Matt was had an unbelievable great big league career, big left-handed pitcher. Great dude. Uh, yeah, great guy. Great uh, I think he was a three-time All-Star with the White yep. Sox, uh, you know, World Series champ. But he, I remember when he was coming up, he came into a ball game and he had just gotten called up and I called for a sinker and Matt, Matt threw 95 to hundred and I called a sinker and he threw this nasty cutter, big lefty. And so he throws a nasty cutter. So I was breaking into it to a righty and it, it caught my thumb and it really hurt my thumb. Like it just, I caught it. You, you know, you always catch, you yeah. always tell catchers, you need to catch with your thumb up and elbow down. Well, I caught this one with my thumb down and my elbow <laughs> up and it thumbed me. It jammed me so badly. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I caught, I threw it back. I called for another sinker and he did the same thing. And I, I time out. I went out to him. I said, Maddie, I just called for two sinkers. And he said, I know. I said, well, why do they cut? And he goes, I don't know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, like you're, you're the big leagues. That's what this, this is your comeback. So, I mean, some of these guys, I think they just, they're just blessed. Um, yeah. They're just blessed and they don't know where it's going all the time. Um, so, you know, from that aspect, you just, uh, from a catcher standpoint, you just got to trust your hands and, and hopefully it ends up in your pocket somewhere. I, so I think I've told, I think I've told you uh, off air, just talking about it. Uh, emergency catcher, multiple years. Uh, Boge mm -hmm. put me in that position. Caught Linscombe, caught Kane, all that stuff. Easy as hell. Jonathan Sanchez, I let more balls get by me in a bullpen session that they said you will never catch him, even if it like is the emergency use. We will bring in your emergency, and mm -hmm. I'm like, I couldn't, I could not figure it out because he had this like you know three quarter arm release, low three quarters, and it took off on him. And I'm thinking, you know, he's gonna throw, uh, you know, just a four seamer down, and this thing would just out to the lefty, and you're going, yeah. I whiffed so many times. I'm going. You're supposed to be able to trust your hands. I couldn't even trust my eyes. Yeah, it's those guys with the, the super late life. And, I, you know, fortunately, I was, I was very uh, blessed and fortunate to catch Mariano Rivera. for I was in camp with the Yankees for two years. Um, and just catching his bullpens. I mean, it was, it was that, it's that late. It's straight, it's straight, it's straight, it's straight, it's straight. And then just, whoop, left turn. And that's, they're the ones that are tough. The, the guys that have that late life. And that's what they're looking for, right? Yeah. They're looking for just the missed barrels. And that's what that late life does. And um, you know, they're, they're the ones that are tough to catch. Joe Girardi told me he never in all his years with Mariano, he doesn't think he ever had to block a, block a ball. 
of him in a bullpen session or in camp or in a game. And I'm going, huh? I asked you that. And you're like, actually, I don't know. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever went down there to get one. (laughs) No, I mean, he was just, I mean, the the man is, and talk about nice as the day is long. I I just always a big fan of Mariano, but um, talk about guy just kind of just got it, walked into it, you know, he just found it in the bullpen one day and it, it just, just made a hall of fame career out of it. Well, okay. So a guy like Mariano and and I I love this aspect of it because I, I talk about this because I think it's a real thing. When you have a guy like Mariano, obviously he had the career, but he had to build that career, right? You had to, you know, like you said, he developed it in the bullpen one day, boom, goes off, has the hall of fame career. He's lingering in the bullpen. You're thinking about that as a hitter, whether you're in the field, you know, in the dugout, at whatnot, you're thinking about that. I mean, was there or has there been in the last couple of years, maybe Sir Anthony when he was going well, that the Phillies have had where teams you feel like are going, ooh, he's lingering there. I, I, I'm, I'm asking because I can't think of one, but now I can think of a couple that they have in the pen this year. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think Hector has gotten there at times mm-hmm. where it's just like when Hector is really going good, it's kind of, you know, it's game over. And I think Hector has been there at times is not all the time, but he's been there at times, but I would agree. There's not been that one guy. You're like, Oh no, he's this game. You just, you know what? We're not even going to play the ninth inning. Let's just get on the bus and go home. You know, the (laughs) Phillies haven't had one of those guys in a while. And um, you played with a couple, just saying, just, yeah, yeah, (laughs) there haven't been a whole lot. So um, it's nice to that there, they have boosted uh, that bullpen a little bit and they have some dominant pieces in there now. On the catching side, you bring back JT Realmuto. We talked about that best catcher in baseball. Okay, we we praise him all the time. Uh, why is he going to be? Why do you give a guy like him that's you know that that contract? It's well because he brought it up. We've talked about it. Most catchers are below average runners. He's above average runner, and so would they get their you know would they become older? They become way off the charts. It's like the like a kid. It's like yeah, you're not even on the charts now. JT will go down to an average runner maybe at some point in his career, but it's like mm-hmm. that's already ahead of things. Where are ways that JT can get better even late this career and to a part where you say he signed his contract and, and there's still room to grow? Yeah, I think he can get better if, he, if he's able to get a couple of days off, maybe mm-hmm. more so than in the past. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's really not a whole lot for him to improve on, Kevin. Um, the way he blocks the ball, which I don't know how he does on one day, the way he throws the ball, yeah. the charge that he takes with his pitching staff, um, the way that he hits, uh, he's just different. He's just a different animal. And, you know, when he signed, he said, I think, you know, physically I'm able to do things that other catchers aren't because I'm a little bit more athletic. Well, he's a lot more athletic and he is, it, it's just fun to watch. And I think a lot has to do with his upbringing, playing football. Yep being a wrestler. Yep. I've always said this, I've said this on broadcast, wrestlers and swimmers are different people. They're different animals. They it's, it's one-on-one it's, you know, they, they have that mentality that they're not tired. They're not hurt. And I think that's what leads JT to not only want to play every day, but play every day. And I think that goes a long way for what he's, what he does. He's been a catcher his whole life. Obviously he was going to OSU on a football scholarship to play quarterback at Oklahoma state. 
So there's not much this guy hasn't done athletically. I think it all leads to him being the best catcher. And, and he's just able to, to tie everything together and be that guy. I can't, I like, part of me can't wrap my head around the fact that we have the chance of, not have the chance, but we're going to see it. Archie and JT as the battery. Mm -hmm. And you have one that was going to Oklahoma to be the quarterback and one going to Oklahoma State to be the quarterback. I mean, it's just like, really? You're going to have the bedlam right there on the on the field. Maybe they hold that rivalry for a little bit, huh? I, I can't believe it. Oh, just sidebar, real quick sidebar. Did you see that it was it was on Twitter? JT actually signed up for it and said yes, that did happen. When when he and Christian Yelich were in the Meyer Lakes, they oh, ate the a Chipotle 142 days in a row. God. All right, what's it like? Could you could you go and think about like what have you had 142 times in a row? Like to eat you. I don't even know if it's 142. I'm just saying, like, to an extensive, you know, like, where you're going, okay, that's a little absurd. Right. I mean, I'll eat any type of crab. I, crab is my favorite food. And, and any type, whether that be blue claws or Dungeness or yeah, snow even crab or king crab. crab. Hmm. It's my favorite. I don't think I could eat it 142 days in a row. I really don't. I don't think I don't. your stomach could take that. No. But um, getting back to... Still like one of those <laughs> getting things, back I was like, to, dude... Uh, I did a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every game of my career. Yeah. But I mean, that wasn't consecutive days. Off days, I would I definitely wouldn't look at a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. But that was, I saw that on Twitter. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And they both said, yes, it's, uh, we can vouch for that. Anyway, um, having those two guys, that, that tandem, um, there's going to be, they're going to have a good, a good setup right there. And I think um, both their mentalities le lend themselves to winning, winning organizations. Without a doubt. Didi Gregorius, you, add, you, you bring him back after a successful year last year. Uh, I, I feel like he's the one that I get so mad that we missed out on being able to, to talk to on a, on a day in, day out basis in the dugout or during VP or something like that because the guy brought a smile to, to the game every day. He uplifted his, his teammates. He made guys better around him, you know, just, I, I, just, there's so much that goes with Didi uh, that I'm so happy that he's back. But what does he bring for you, um, you know, as a as, you know, defensive shortstop uh, and a guy that came through in the clutch a lot? I think he, he makes everybody more accountable. I really do. Um, first and foremost, you want steady up the middle, right? And <laughs> that's what he provides you is some steadiness at shortstop. He's smooth. He's accurate. Uh, he's dependable. He plays every day. He hits lefties well. Um, there's not much that he really doesn't bring to the table. He does not hit balls to left field, never hit a home run to left field. And I think that his day is coming, but I think that's the only thing he doesn't do is, mm -hmm. is really drive the ball to the left field. I mean, he's just a bail and whale guy foot in the bucket and, and tries to yank everything, but it works for him. So who cares? Um, but I think his, but he accountability, does that without striking out too, you know, like, right. That's a exactly. Big, that's a I mean, how many thing. times last year did he go? Oh, two. And then he's just right. battling, battling. Next thing you look up and it's full count. <laughs> Um, but that's, I think the guys can feed off of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, with his leadership ability, um, and, you know, he's definitely, he's a guy that is, you could see in his interviews. I mean, he holds himself accountable and that's what I think a lot of these guys in this ball club could really use. Yeah. I, I look, he's the adult in the room all the time. I mean, he's, but he plays with that, that, that emotion too. Right. And the one thing that, um, I thought he did with, I, and I have no idea because again, this was us not being able to talk to him. But he had a direct impact with Gene again. You know, the way they played together in Arizona, people in Arizona were always fired up. 
like the, the tandem that they created there that one year. Well, they had that when the Gene moved over, and I thought he uplifted his game. Do you think that's a direct correlation with Didi? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, for Gene, he had to do it because Didi wasn't going to play third. Uh, we knew Scott was going to play second base, and that's the way it was going to be. So it was kind of like Gene kind of accepted it, and he said, you know, if, if we're going to make this ball club better, then I'm going to have to play third base and play a good a steady, steady third base. And I think he did that for the most part last yeah. year from a defensive standpoint. So um, he definitely has the, the arm to play third base, does Gene. Uh, but Didi, I think, is a guy that, you know, he just – he made Gene a little bit more accountable as well. The one I'm interested, though, is uh, obviously no one knows because of the, the elbow surgery he had in the offseason, but Reese, uh, we saw such a, a, a different hitter from year to year uh, in, in 19 to 20. Um, started out a little slow, but came on and, and was really clicking at the end. Uh, what are you hoping to see from Reese? more right field. And I think he made a, a conscious effort to do that last year. And you saw that uh, the way he was able to drive the ball to right field. Not only, I think sometimes as hitters, we say, Oh, there's an outside pitch. Let me get, let me push it over there. Mm -hmm. No, with Reese, it wasn't like, Oh, there's an outside pitch. Let me drive it over there. And yeah. I think that's where it really started to let pitches get deeper. And he used the whole field. I mean, he was such a one-dimensional hitter um, two years ago and he, he, he faltered tremendously. Um, and I think the last year he really made the strides to, to make a concerted effort to use the whole field and it worked out for him. He didn't, I mean, it was, this swing definitely wasn't as steep. Yep. Um, and it was something I think that he can carry over to this year. I think he saw the, the, the dividends that it paid. Why would you go back to any other way of hitting? And, you know, for him, I think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, he can carry ball clubs at times. Yeah. We've seen him do it. You know, uh, we're talking about him. You know, last year, beginning of the year, when he was started off pretty hot, like being the, the MVP of the year, uh, or two years ago, I'm sorry, when he had that unbelievable first half, MVP of, of the league, he was that good, and he was carrying the ball club that way. Um, I, I think it's definitely in him if he doesn't try and do so much and try and elevate the ball all the time. You give lessons to kids mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, college kids, high school, maybe even pro ball guys, uh, all-star academy, correct? All-Star Baseball Academy, yep. that's right. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, go and get uh, lessons from Ben. Uh, but something that I'm sure you've talked to about it is like using the, the whole field. It's You mentioned it with Reese. He's driving the ball over there, but sometimes it's not even the hits, the doubles, or any like a homer that goes that you're going, yes, it's an out. It's a line out to right field that, that, mm -hmm. that would signify to you that things are great. People, I think, get misconstrued when you're going the opposite field. Sometimes it just locks you in everywhere else. And with Reese, I feel like the moment he lines out to right, you're going, just grasp it. Like, hold on to that. And I felt like for a couple of years, he was going, he, he would hit one to line out to right and be like, that wasn't good enough. Yeah. Let me go back my old way. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's, you know, speaking of the lesson, that's what I tell kids. Like, we can't get so caught up. Now it's easy to get caught up in the results of the Absolutely. big leagues because you yep. get paid for, you know, if you go yep. over four, I don't care if you line out four times, you still went over four. But I think we get so caught up in results. We are such a result oriented. Uh, that's the way baseball is. You know, if you go four for four with four duck farts, you're like, yeah, yeah four for four. <laughs> heck yeah. You know, but if you go four for four or over four with four lineups, you're like, oh God, that was the worst night ever. 
But I think we get so result oriented. You could do everything right. Have the great swing. How many times, Franny, have you, you know, hit a pitch a mile in the air, you barrel it, right? And you hit it a mile in the air and you run into first base saying that swing felt good. I hit it on the barrel. What happened? Baseball's hard, right? It's it hitting a round ball and around. I never hit a ball a mile high. <laughs> Probably some, a quarter mile. Quarter mile. <laughs> quarter mile. That's it. But sometimes you just hit the bottom yeah. of it. You know, you do everything right. So that's why I think we get so result oriented. But I think with Reese, it's, you know, that was the way it was. Oh, I hit, lined out to second base. Oh, that's great. You know, let me go back to trying to yank everything. Yeah. You know, he was hitting balls left the last couple of years. I mean, not foul. He was hitting them left and like over the third base dugout. And that's not easy to do. The but, one in the one in St. Louis where you and I, like, we walked out of the booth and, and we like, wait, did that just, ha- he hit it out of the stadium. He hit it out of the ballpark. I saw Gary Sheffield do that when I was catching in, uh, we played the Dodgers and he had one out of Safeco foul like third right behind the third base dugout he had it out of safe go i looked at him i said chef did that just happen he goes i guess it did oh my god <laughs> but anyway like, dude that's awesome yeah it was pretty cool um no i think you know i i just think with reese he needs to trust himself use the whole field and and then he won't see you know they're really good hitters and we sit up in the booth i remember it, it happened for me because the, the shift is so prevalent yep and when the, someone doesn't shift it's like oh there's there's not a yes. shift there's not a shift yes <laughs> you know I remember doing that with, when watching Joe Maurer. We were up at, at Target Field a couple of years ago and before he retired. I'm thinking, oh, this is why this guy's three batting titles, because he uses the whole field. You know, you can't shift him because yeah. he will hit it all over the park. And it just makes you a better hitter, See, theory. Like, I, I always laugh because a lot of the old-time guys would be like, do you think they would ever shift on Tony Gwynn? It's like, no. Like, no, they wouldn't. The, the numbers would actually say that they might shift the other way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's so, what a lot of pitchers. So good. They they would throw it down the middle, and hope he hit it at somebody. Yeah, I mean, and that, and and all the stories about Tony, uh, and and talking to Tim Flannery and and Boach, they were like they would laugh. They're like, look, he said it, and it, it's a fact. You throw a ball down the middle of the plate, you have the best chance. Yeah, against Tony because he had no idea what to do with it because he's like, I could hit anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we pitched Vladimir Guerrero as well. That's you know, throw it, he was the best bad ball hitter. You try and set him up on a pitch, the ball's off the fence or in a gap somewhere. You know, it's the one he got that one down the middle. He's like, oh, what do I do with this? Hmm, yeah. Let me think. And then Dude, I'll just roll him, it over. Uh, when him and Josh, Josh Hamilton had the MVP year in 2010, mm-hmm. and Vlad was in, he, he came back to, to Anaheim for the first time, and it was like, he went off. And to have two guys like that going, and you're going, I like Josh was hitting every ball, but like, yeah, they're decent pitches, whatever. Vlad was doing things. That I was like, I'm hoping as a third baseman, I get to see. And he was putting balls like, a, like maybe three, four inches off the ground. And he hit two out. And I'm going, that yeah. is, he was awesome. a freak. He really was a freak. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tony was like that. I, it was just, that guy was, oh, he's, he's just better than everybody else. Yes. That's the bottom line. So when, when, you know, we talk about the result oriented world that we live in, um, like with Reese, Sometimes is it, it I, I would tell I would text him because I love the guy. I'm like, remember, you're playing tomorrow. Don't get that heavy on it. Like for me, I, I get the result oriented thing because as a as a as a utility guy, you feel like you have to get two hits or three hits, you know, to play the next day. Right? You're probably not gonna even play it. if you get four hits, doesn't matter. But it's just like one of those days. It sometimes you just you just be like, remember, you're gonna be out there tomorrow. So today yeah, you don't like, have to check the lineup card. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, like how fun would that be to be in the big be, leagues and do that? It'd be fun. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I only had, to, I only had, had an opportunity to do that a couple of times, but um, you know, those guys that knew they're going to play every yep. day, it just puts your mind at ease and it just takes the pressure off because 
there's nothing worse than hitting with pressure. And it seemed like, you know, if you weren't an everyday guy, like you and I were not everyday guys all the time, um, it added that much more pressure and you can't hit like that. It just no. doesn't nobody any good. It, Cause <laughs> I, I always, enough. I always envy the guys that didn't care. Like that they, they, they cared. They definitely cared. Trust me. But they had that ability to just brush it off. I, I could never be that way. And I, I yeah. wish I had that ability. How about the guys that would never take account? You know, they would never take ownership of what they did. They swing at three sliders in the dirt. They sit on the bench and they yell at the pitcher, Hey, throw fastball. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you just swung at three pitches in the dirt. Like, why are you yelling at the pitcher? He just got, yeah, it's those guys. They seem to have the most success. They and really then the next bat they, they get, they just see fastballs and they end up hitting one out. It's like, see? That's yeah, cool. see? It's like, <laughs> unbelievable. Hey, uh, before I let you go, a couple things with um, Major League Baseball and preserving, I would say, the, the doubleheader seven-inning rule uh, or seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, yes or no? Do you like? I do not. Okay. Um, I think it's great for the players. Yeah, that's why. That's the only way, way I looked at. It. I was like, "This is great." Like, yeah, I think it's great for the players. But you know, they start changing these rules so dramatically, uh, all the numbers will be skewed. Yeah, you know that just it's just going to be different. Yep. It's just flat out going to be different, and um, I think it's not going to work in the players' favors in the long run. Yep. You know, because say you hit twenty nine home runs, and you know if you play ten. You know, say you play 10 double headers a year and you, you miss, maybe that's 20 at bats that yeah. you miss. No, you, you never know. And yeah. those two innings that you got shorted, you know, and you get that one more homer, it could be a difference in a, a lot of money for a player. So I think uh, it's not all about the money, but, you know, I mean, these, these guys are, are having their careers. I think in the long run, it could hurt the players. Okay. One that uh, actually I, it grew on me that I hated at the beginning uh, that I actually didn't mind at the end. Um, the extra inning rule. Player at second base, thoughts? I, I don't like it. I think <laughs> it's silly. Um, we're not playing in the backyard here. There's no ghost runner. I thought so. I don't so. like it. <laughs> I don't like I would, it. That's um, how I would put it as. <laughs> I just, again, you're talking about shortening ball games. Uh, there's so many different ways that you could do that. And I just, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, I am thinking that the DH is the right thing to do. Uh, we'll yes. see how that plays out. I, I was so adverse to the DH for so many years. And then when I went from San Diego to Seattle, so instead of having, I don't say Sterling Hitchcock mm -hmm. hit ninth, I got Edgar Martinez hitting fourth yeah. when I moved to Seattle. So I think from a fan's perspective, it's so much better because how many pitchers and it drives me crazy. And I will say the Phillies pitchers, they take, they take a lot of accountability in their hitting. They, they go out, they hit early. Uh, they battle at times and they're not all great hitters, obviously, but at least they put some effort into it. How many times you see a pitcher go up there, take three pitches down the middle and walk back. That's not good for baseball. No, it's that terrible not for good. baseball. It's terrible. Yeah. But so, so the, the reason why I bring it up is, is I, I, I've been thinking, how do you create more, action in the game and all that stuff and i was like okay if you're gonna keep that if you're gonna keep that rule uh let's add another game to it and if you strike out as a team nine or more times you don't get that runner on second base if you happen to go extra innings i'm like let's try to add something different to this if we want to try to create you know if you're gonna if you're gonna really change the game because that's changing the game let's do that i like it i mean it's just it, listen if, if that's 
something because a strikeout is just like a ground out anymore right no one right. it's just like oh i struck out so be it i mean i, I was completely humiliated and yep. embarrassed when i struck out and believe me i got humiliated and embarrassed a lot so I, I didn't like it but now these guys it's just another number it's like oh i got out it's like hitting a fly ball it's the same as a strikeout that's the way to look at it i i just think there's there's so many other different ways they could speed it up i mean my biggest thing is is take the plate for instance they have to make the strike zone bigger you'll see way more balls in play it's 17 inches wide just make it 20 inches wide that's an inch and a half on either either side that's it mm-hmm. an inch and a half on either side you're going to have guys i mean they're, they're, they're keyholing these pitchers out there they know they don't have to swing yeah if a ball's two inches i mean it, it's it's ridiculous that how small the strike zone is and these guys can just sit there and wait for their pitch and you know if they're not they're taking their walk um, so I think if you open the strike zone up, you're going to have more balls in play and games absolutely will get faster. All right. You ready for a game? Sure. It's called waffled or not. It's called what? Waffled or not. Waffled or not. Okay. You either waffled this guy or you didn't. And you okay. have to be able to remember this. And if you can't, uh, let Frank, hold on one second. I'm just looking out the window. Did you enjoy the snow? Dude. I sat at the windowsill watching the snow coming from a guy that never, like, we go up to the snow, never seen it snow. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. That's pretty cool, huh? People, people, and people bitch about it. I get it. But it is cool. It's pretty peaceful. Down, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. So sorry for the sidebar. Let's get back no, to Waffle. I love the sidebar because it's, we digress. <laughs> uh, all right. So Waffle or not is, I'm going to throw out a picture and you're going to tell me if you waffled them or not. And okay. I get to decide if you waffled him. Okay. Okay. So let's uh, let's start out with Randy Johnson. Uh, I waffled him once. Yeah, you you did, but that one, yeah, yeah. That, I'll give it, I you, waffled him once. That was it. The one other for fifteen, are not eleven good. punch outs. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Uh, Is that not good. <laughs> you waffled a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So you you got a homer on him. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Reader. Waffled him. Believe it. Do you know how many uh, extra base hits Woody? you got against him? Yeah, so Woody Woody not. is close with my... I have a great story with this. You'll love this. Have you? Have I told you the Woody story? So uh, my brother passed not. away in 04. Uh, he was the basketball manager for Santa Clara for years. And uh, in that offseason, North Carolina played Santa Clara in basketball, and North Carolina was number one. Woody was a diehard and still is a diehard North Carolina fan. So we're working out at uh, AT&T Park. At that time, it was Pac Bell. And he goes, Santa Clara guy, huh? You know, and I'm like, I've met him once, twice. We just named our dog after him. I'm like all fired up. He goes, I'll give you 100 to 1 odds on $100 that Santa Clara wins. I'm like. I don't have that hundred dollars here to like bet and just do that right. and just like just sign. So let's fast forward. He's like, yeah, you're lost. We go to the game. I'm there with my dad. Uh, the Santa Clara's wearing the DJ patch on their jersey. Uh, North Carolina's there. They're gonna head to Maui afterwards. Santa Clara started to you know come back a little bit and win. And I'm like, oh god, this is great. All I see is Kirk going, whistling me down. Come down here. So I go sit next to him on the floor. He pulls out a check and he goes, by the way, I wrote this check for you. Rips it up right in front of me. And Santa Clara ends up winning it. And I'm like, oh, because I didn't take the bet. I didn't do it. I missed out 
Oh yeah, like ten grand. Ten grand. I dude I gosh. Yeah. Well you think about it though. A hundred bucks you just Dude, signed, I just like, signed for twenty five hundred bucks. I'm right. not I am not I don't I don't blame you. And right? who would ever think that they would beat UNC? No, Come on. none of us did. But it exactly. was one of those moments. So, Kirk Reader, I just want to let you know that you did waffle him. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to text Woody and say, dude, Ben Davis owned your ass. <laughs> what Six were the numbers? for 10, three doubles, a homer, an 1892 OPS. Wow. I mean, 1892, the, great year. I get it. Not too many <laughs> people. Not too many people have that damn OPS. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go to the next one. John Lackey, the horse mouth. Not good. Yeah. Not good at all. One, Bad. One for 11, six punchies. Yeah. He had a curveball. I, did, I was allergic to that. Yeah, but see, like, okay, he had a curveball. I get that. But just, just be honest. Like, you stared at his mouth being open the whole time, correct? <laughs> Stop. I couldn't ben, hit anything with that. Hey, Ben, you can't hit that. <laughs> I was in a cage the other day and there was a kid next to me doing pitching lessons and the instructor's like, all right, start throwing some curveballs." And I said, Hey Mike, I might start sneezing here in a second. And he goes, what? Why? I said, well, I was allergic to curveballs. <laughs> couldn't hit them, man. I could not hit any pitches with depth. Uh, That's the way it was. But you know what happens? And it happens it the happens. best of them. It's like, you, you look for the other ones. I know. Okay. How about Russ Ortiz? I killed him. Oh. Believe it. Yeah, I hit him well. Uh, I saw him so much because when we played him, it seemed like we played him every weekend. Yeah, that's fine, Nines. though. Still doesn't matter. You go 9 yeah. for 22 off a dude and at 980 OPS, you owned his ass. Yeah. Uh, I like this one because uh, I, think, I think you'll like it. Jake Westbrook. Uh, I hit a grand slam off of him. Ah. My so dude. you were only two Ooh, for my eight first off one. Him. You're only two for eight, but you had a triple and a granny against him. You had an 1125 wow. OPS. That is ownage. A triple. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's find out when that actually happened. That was um, my first grand slam. I remember it because it was in Cleveland and my bro- future brother-in-law, brother-in-law and sister-in-law were there and my nephews. Dude, you, you tripled the right field off him in the first of that. Fly really? ball to short right field. Oh, so you had a guy die for it. Yeah. Boom. That's the only way I was getting a triple. Hey, that's all right, though. Like, I, yeah. like baseball reference is the greatest thing ever because you can do that. Uh, but I brought it up because of the Grand Slam. Uh, that is awesome. Six RBIs against him. That's ownage. Uh, ooh. Nah, I don't want to do that one to you. I like building you up. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, dude, there's a couple guys on, on me that I'm like, oof, don't bring that one up. Oof. Yeah. John Danks owned me. 0 for 10. Uh, I, don't, I think I punched out like one time, but K- Craig Kimbrell, I hit one ball hard off him. I've got one ball of the infield off him. Yeah. I never faced him. He yeah. was a little That's a good me. thing for you. Yeah. That's a good thing for you. Uh, all right. I got one more for you. Kevin Apier. I don't ever remember facing him. What? I don't. Okay. I thought he was a little older than me. Yeah, he's a lot older than you. He's a lot. But you <laughs> faced him with the Mets. Uh, you faced him when he was with the Angels. Uh, really? Yeah, you're, you, you, uh, you're four for eight off him. Really? Three doubles. 
Wow. Four RBIs. That's a 500 average, a 1319 OPS. You Jimmy Christmas. Apier. I would have never thought I, I played against. We ever ran across each other. That's uh, crazy. You singled the center against him for your first hit. Phil Nevin scored. Uh, <laughs> How do you here. find all this stuff? Baseball reference. It's amazing. Jeez, you doubled the Christmas. right field in your last at bat against them. And if you can guess a lefty that scored when you doubled down the right field line against Kevin Apier when you're with the Seattle Mariners, your guess would be? Uh, a lefty. John Olerud? Ooh. Great first name, though. John. A left-handed hitter, John? Yeah. Mabry. John Mabry. Yeah. Westchester University zone. Hey. What a great guy. Love that guy. Well, who's a great guy is yourself for coming on Pine Tower for breakfast and playing Waffle or not. Uh, And to find out that you didn't even know that you waffled Kevin Apier, because that'd be one of those names that I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, I got him. I remember that. That's, That's amazing. I remember most, honestly, I remember most guys. Yeah. I do not remember coming across him. That's crazy. Yeah. He pitched forever in the big leagues. It's like, for me, like that Kevin Apier is like me facing Jamie Moyer, right? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he owned me. He looked like he threw 98. <laughs> I'm just waiting back on it. Next thing you know, cut her in. Yeah. Jammed. It was the hardest 84 ever. Right? Unbelievable. Ever. All right, Never. buddy. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Franny, and, uh, I really I appreciate it, man. I can't wait till, oh, wait. We're going to see each other at the ballpark, not at spring training. And there he is, Ben Davis, coming on with me on Pine Tar for breakfast. And, yes, I will be seeing him at the ballpark in Philadelphia for spring training games as we get closer and closer. But, again, we share a passion for the game. We share a passion for the Phillies, and it's fun talking with Ben Davis right here on Pine Tar for breakfast at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Hit me up when you get a chance. Till next time. Hey! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.